If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John chapter 11 today. If you want to turn to John 11, if you're using that blue Bible in front of you, it's page 897. John 11, 897. Kind of rhymes. I wish you could have known Claude. Claude was a man at the first church that Trish and I served at. Claude ran a machine shop in his garage and he could fix anything. And in his lifetime, I think he had fixed just about everything. By the time I had come along, Claude was older and slowed down quite a bit. His memory wasn't quite what it used to be. But once in a while, we would get together. We'd sit and have coffee in the morning and Claude would sit down with me and he'd start telling me about well, he'd tell me the same story over and over again. He would tell me about how he shipped out joining the, the army when he was younger. It, it shipped out literally, was on a ship going halfway around the world, coming from the little town uh, that, he, that he'd been in, taking off and seeing the, seeing the world for the first time. And he told me about that, that they had given him a tour of the engine room. And as someone who loved machines, who loved working on machines, uh, mechan so mechanical, he loved that tour of the engine room. He'd tell me about how big it was and how impressive it was. Every time we sat down, he told me that story. It got to the point where I probably could have told the story too. And I realized something long after Claude passed away. I heard that story many times. But I don't know that I always listened. To Claude's story. I don't know that I always listened to Claude. And if I had a chance now, looking back, I, I think there's a lot of questions I would have asked. Not just about the big machines and going halfway around the world, joining the army and being part of a war effort, but I think I would have asked him, what was it like as a kid from a very, very small town leaving home for the first time? Uh, how frightening was that? How lonely was that? I would want to know what Claude experienced in doing that. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that with him and with other stories that I've listened to over and over and over again. I, th I think sometimes we hear something so many times, we just stop listening. And I think we do that to the Bible too. We hear the story so many times, we just stop listening. We stop thinking of these as real people with real feelings, with real hurts, with real sadness, with real grief, and also with real wonder because Jesus steps into their lives. We're, we're looking at the story of Lazarus today there in John chapter 11. If I mention Lazarus to you, your mind immediately jumps to the end of the story. Lazarus, come forth! And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. You know how it ends. Verses, verses 41 through 44. So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they might believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And they all lived happily ever after. They probably had cake and punch and a good time was had by all. It's the end of the story. But is it the whole 
story or is there more here? Is there more that we need to see for them and more that we can see for ourselves? So we've been focusing as we've made our way through the Gospel of John this month, we've been focusing on these three words, come and see. They appear over and over again in John's Gospel. It is an invitation to experience the wonder of coming close to Jesus. And I think it would be wonderful if we would just say to some of our friends and our neighbors, just, just come and see. Come and see what we're doing at Kansas Christian Church. Come and see what's happening. Those words appear again and again in the Gospel of John, and they appear here in the Lazarus story. But don't just hear the words. Listen to the words. Back up a little bit to verse 33. When Jesus saw her, that is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come also weeping, He was deeply moved in His spirit and greatly troubled. And He said, Where have you laid Him? And they said to Him, Lord, Come and see. And Jesus wept. You know, what's unusual about this occurrence of come and see is it's not about people coming to Jesus. It's not about someone finding Jesus and saying, come and see who I've found. Instead, it is about Jesus saying, where is He? And they're telling Jesus, come and see. Jesus is stepping into their hurt. Jesus is stepping into their grief. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes. He is the one who sees. He is the one who weeps with them. And I don't think we're meant to miss that. In our rush to get to the end of the story and say, yeah, 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 Lazarus, come forth. Okay, preacher, we're done. Let's not miss that Jesus longs to be present with them and Jesus continues to long to be present with us. Jesus longs to be present in our hurts. The story of Lazarus takes a whole chapter. From the very beginning, you can tell this is going to be a difficult story. Verse 1, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. John does his best to emphasize relationships in this story. Jesus cared about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Verse 2, it was this Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped, uh, wiped his, uh, his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead, in death, lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now, 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 now hang on, Jesus. Because we've read the story. And we know that it does lead to death. That Lazarus is indeed going to die. Jesus' words are a little confusing. And then Jesus' words get a little worse. They get even more confusing. Verses 5 and 6, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when He heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Wait, what? He stayed two days longer? My friends are hurting. One of my friends is dying. They're, they're going to be grieving. What's the rush? Let's, let's take our time. There's no need to get in a hurry here. It almost sounds cruel. But let's, let's let Jesus be Jesus. Let's trust Jesus. Let's trust that he's doing something big here. There is a detail here that, well, it would really require you to turn to those maps in the back of your Bible if you wanted to really pick up on this detail. It requires some geography. It requires some awareness of, of how far apart some places were in the Bible. 
Best we can tell, when Jesus gets this message, He is on the other side of the Jordan. He's crossed the river. And so He's going to have to leave from, the, from there all the way to Bethany, which is about a day's walk. And if you put the timeline together, there is no way that Jesus can get to Bethany before Lazarus dies. There's no way for him to get there in time. And so it's not that Jesus delays so that he doesn't heal Lazarus. He cannot heal Lazarus. He will not get there in time. He cannot be there to prevent the, the death. They, he cannot be there to prevent their grief. But he can be there to be present in their grief just as he continues to be present in our grief and in our hurts. Come and see. We've heard those words again and again this month as we've made our way through the Gospel of John. Come and see. We've encouraged you to say them to your friends, to your neighbors. Just come and see. Come and see what we're doing at Kansas Christian Church. Come and see what we're excited about. Come and see what Jesus is doing among us. But let's be very aware that some of our friends are hurting. Some of our friends are, are, are grieving. They've suffered loss. And so often, they've suffered those losses alone. And so what, what can we offer them? Jesus asks Mary in verse 34, where have you buried Him? Where have you laid Him? And Jesus, Mary replies to Jesus, come and see. The very next verse happens to be my, my first memory verse because it's only two words. And even I can remember that as a kid. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Everybody ought to know that one. I got one point for knowing that verse when I was in camp. Jesus wept. He doesn't just see their grief. He doesn't just hear them grieve. He is present in their grief. I notice within myself, and maybe some of you notice this about yourselves too, I have a tendency to want to fix things. I have a tendency to just want to fix whatever the problem is. To, 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 to just fix things. To make things better. But at this moment, Jesus is merely present in their grief. He's sharing in their grief. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have all the solutions. We just need to be present in the hurt and listen, hear their story, hear their heart, and allow Jesus to be present through you. Jesus longs to be present in our hurts. There's more to the Lazarus story though. And there's more to our story. And so we also see that Jesus longs to be present in our hope. You think about funerals today. Funerals today are very different than how they were done in the first century. Seems like a lot of funerals anymore we're delaying them. I don't know if it's just a matter of travel that family comes together, but I've, we've had some that were delayed a few weeks. I've seen in the paper funerals that are going to be delayed in memorial services that will be delayed for a few months. Uh, it seems like it's taking longer and longer for us to get through that process. But in the first century, with no real way to preserve the body, very often if someone died, they were buried on that day. They would be buried the, the day that they died, uh, which would be quite a shock to family and friends. Can you imagine leaving town to go do some trading, to go get some supplies? You're gone for a couple of days. You come back and you find that your wife has died and they've already buried her. What, what do you do with that? How do you grieve through something like that? Where do you find your hope 
in that. And while the dead were often buried the first day, the grieving period would last for seven days. Uh, seven days in that time, family would gather, food would be prepared, songs would be sung. It's not that much different than what we go through. There was an oddity. There was one oddity to the Jewish way of thinking about death. And it's important that you know this if you're going to get the Lazarus story. The Jews had this belief that if a person died, their soul would linger around the body for three days. The soul could linger for as long as three days. And in that period of time, they might come back to life. Death didn't necessarily have to be permanent. Now, what had likely happened was they had seen people who had gone into a coma and they thought they were dead. We thought you were gone. And after a few days, they, they got better and they came back. But they knew, they knew that by day four, by day four, decay would have set in. By day four, it would be obvious they were not coming back. And so if you read the story of Lazarus, You'll notice four days is emphasized over and over again. Verses 38 and 39. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, it is, uh, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for it has been he has been dead for four days. By this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Remember what your King James Bible said? Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> I think that's a great word. I think we ought to bring stinketh back. I think stinketh probably still works. But Jesus, she says that he's been dead for four days. Why, why roll away the stone? All hope is gone. Everything they knew about death told them you had three days to see a change. Three days. By day four, all hope was gone. By day four, Jesus was too late. And again, you and I read this. We know the end of the story. But the end is not merely that Lazarus is raised this entire community that has gathered for this funeral is about to learn that hope doesn't look like what they thought it looked like. Hope isn't just about three days. There might be a change. Hope looks like Jesus. There are people in our lives for whom hope seems gone. They've lost hope. But so often the hope that they were holding on to was a temporary hope. It was a hope that was on their own terms, on their own understanding. They never imagined that Jesus could step into their hurt and bring His hope. After Jesus tells them to roll away the stone, but it's been four days, Jesus! All hope is gone, Jesus! And then verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Hear that for yourself. Hear that for your friends who are grieving. God's not done. Jesus still has glory to show you. And He invites us to come and see. You see, just as Jesus longs to be present in our hurts, and He longs to be present in our hope, we also know that Jesus longs to be present in our healing. I don't think the story is really about Lazarus. Jesus uses the death of Lazarus, to teach Mary, to teach Martha, to, to teach the entire community of Bethany. 
I don't think it's about Lazarus because, well, the, the raising of Lazarus is not permanent. Lazarus died again. By the way, but by the next chapter, chapter 12, there is a plot to kill Lazarus, to shut him up. The, the Jews want to kill him. But for the sisters, for Mary and Martha, Jesus has stepped into their hurt. He has brought their hope to life. He has centered that hope on Himself. And I think He still does that. I know He still does that for us today. Back up a little bit to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever You ask from God, God will give You. Martha, Martha's angry. Martha is angry. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. It was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book on death and dying who identified what we call the five stages of grief. You're probably familiar with the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Realize when you hear five stages of grief, you understand nobody goes through those in the same order every time. And there is no set time limit. You don't say, well, I'm going to be bargaining for 36 hours and then I'll move on. It doesn't work like that. And you can bounce back and forth. And realize also that we don't wait until our friends are done and into stage five before we show up and care for them. Ah. They're finally in acceptance. We can go out for dinner again. We can have fun again. They've finally gotten through this. They need us to be present through all those five stages because Jesus is present. And Jesus needs us to be present with them. Martha is angry. What about Mary, her sister? Mary is still grieving. Mary is grieving heavily. Verse 31, when the Jews who were with her in her house when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. She's weeping. And everyone is weeping with her. But then in verse 32, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet saying to Him, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. Now where have we heard those words before? The exact same words that Martha said. Said with a different tone, though. There's a, there's a difference in the, in the tone and the emphases that are here in the words this time. Uh, just as Jesus was there in Martha's anger, He's there in Mary's grief. When someone is hurting, don't be afraid of those angry moments. They need to go through those. Don't be afraid of the angry moments. Don't be afraid of the grief. And realize that Jesus is there in both. And He's present in those stages. He's present in our healing. He asks the question, where have you put the body? And Mary replies, come and see. And she welcomes Jesus into her grief. She welcomes Jesus into Martha's anger. She welcomes them into, welcomes Him into their disappointment. And He shows her that it's not too late for Him to raise the dead. And even more importantly, it's not too late for Him to raise their faith. And Jesus still stands ready to step into your hurt. 
He stands ready to be present in your hope and to bring healing. Jesus longs to be present in your pain. And He lives to bring hope again. Come and see. Sometimes come and see is said with excitement. Sometimes it's said with joy. Sometimes it's said with surprise. But here in the story of Lazarus, come and see was to invite Jesus into their grief and He willingly went. I don't think I have to remind you that we live in what you would call a graying community. Some of us are graying a little faster than others. And we have suffered some difficult losses in our community. We've endured them together. And in the presence of each other, we have found the presence of Jesus. And in those difficult moments, we have brought His presence into that moment for each other. There's a lot of people in our community who are approaching eternity without hope. Or they're simply living with a temporary hope. A hope for a physical healing. A hope for restoration which nothing like that lasts. Lazarus rose. He lived again. But one day Lazarus died again. But what never died was Mary's hope. What never died was Martha's hope because Jesus was present. And that's something we can give to each other. That's something we can give to our friends when we invite them. Just come and see. Come and see what's happening. Let's not shy away from those who are grieving. Let's not wait for them to come to us. Let's meet them where they are. Let's show them through our love and through the care that we offer that Jesus is present, that He has never left their side, and that death is never the end of the story. That's the gift I think that Jesus gives Mary and Martha. It's not just that she get, that He gives them their brother back. He gives them a hope that goes beyond anything that they rationally could have thought of. Four days is too late. It's never too late for Jesus to show up. We're going to share together in just a moment or two. I'd like to ask us as we, as we take today to be very, very mindful. We, we always use those words that you know, we take the body, we take the blood, but Jesus is present in, in this moment. Jesus is present in us so that He can be present in our world. There's a lot of people in our lives who are hurting. And we don't just take this for us. We don't just take this to make us feel better about, about how our week has gone or what we've got ahead. We take this to remind ourselves that when we leave this place, we have a responsibility of carrying His love, of carrying His compassion and His hope to those around us. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing together. And we'll take. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. Thank You that in our hurts, in our grief, in those pains, and in those moments of loneliness, Your Son has been present. Lord, we could tell stories. Each one of us could tell stories of just the, the sureness that we have of His presence in those most difficult moments. Father, we've got friends who don't share our faith. We've got friends who, who don't share the, uh, the realization, the recognition of Jesus' presence the way we do. But they love us and we love them. And Father, 
As we go to them, I pray that we recognize that we take something of His presence with us. His compassion, His love, and Lord, His, His healing and His hope. So we don't just take this for ourselves today. We take this as a reminder that it's our responsibility to carry our Savior with us. Thank You for the bread that represents His body, reminds us of His body broken. We thank You for the cup that reminds us that His blood was shed. And we thank You that we do this looking ahead to, uh, to a day when we will take this together with, with those that we've loved. It's in that hope that we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.